0: back baby i was out in sedona for eight days with the fit for service crew our last core event of the year and it was absolutely incredible and i am back for one week um and then i'm off to vegas wednesday for arcadia for our festival and that's gonna be fucking rad i'm super excited for it um not excited that I'm gone two out of three weeks. I don't think anybody scheduling that shit has kids. But other than that, it's going to be awesome. And uh, super stoked to get to meet a lot of the people there and spend more time with them. Dr. Robert Gilbert is the guest on today's podcast. Somebody I've tracked for a very long time. Uh, you might have seen him on Gaia TV. He has some really amazing shows there. He was on Paul Check's podcast a while back. And I absolutely fell in love with him. His wealth of knowledge. He is One of the top students under Dr. Ibrahim Karim from Biogeometry. Uh, Many of you have heard me mention that name before on this podcast. And this dude has a wealth of knowledge, uh, a deep wealth of knowledge. He started the Vesica Institute at vesica.org and uh, has a ton of different videos and materials there, courses, articles. I'm going to be taking the essential teachings and practices of spiritual science. And you'll get a better idea of, of what that's alluding to uh, through this podcast. But uh, one of the things that I really loved about Dr. Robert Gilbert is his deep wealth of knowledge in the ancient mystery schools. Now, I've got like Manly P. Hall. I've got some different texts on the subject. But the problem with the text is that they just talk about it. They don't take you through it. And what Dr. Robert Gilbert is doing is taking people through the actual mystery school, which is phenomenal because that, that really is an initiatory practice. And I think it's something, uh, I mean, you hear you know my love for plant medicines and things like that. And I'm also always looking for different ways to dive deeper. Uh, whether that's darkness, fasting, you know, Native American vision quests, things like that, I find to be awesome tools and they're legal. You know, there's there's something that everyone can access. If somebody was averse to drugs because their brother was a drug addict to bad drugs, then never wanted to try ayahuasca because they associated that as a bad drug or all drugs are the same. It's really important that we have other avenues that can reach people who are ready. And, uh, and you know, there's probably a little bit more respect and reverence of saying you're going to go for six or seven days into pitch black. There's certainly more respect and reverence for saying I'm not going to have food or water for four days or longer, right? And that's a, and, and do a sweat lodge before you go into that. I mean, that's a whole different animal, um, And I think it's a little bit more palpable for us to realize like, damn, I'm going to be by myself for that long in nature or in the darkness. I think we can grab onto that. I absolutely love this guy. You know, Dr. Robert Gilbert is is phenomenal. He had a podcast, a great podcast with Aubrey Marcus, and they really dove into the Rosicrucians on that. And I I am fascinated by it. Rudolf Steiner was, uh, had a wealth of knowledge in the Rosicrucians, and I've, I've been deep diving him. I want to know more about that, but because they had spent so much time together on that particular topic, I ventured uh, away from it, even though I am highly curious, and we, and we touched on it a little bit. But I tried to cover as much ground as I could with this one because he has so much knowledge. He's going to be speaking at Arcadia, which I'm fucking thrilled for, just the opportunity to get to hang with him a little bit more and pick his brain and then he's got some other really just, I mean, the, the site's absolutely incredible. You can learn about anything, sacred geometry, you name it, lots of cool stuff. And, and the scientific approach to the utilization of these things. So um, he's a brilliant dude. I'm gonna have him back on the podcast for sure. Share this far and wide, anybody that's, you know, and there's a different cut. It's, there's a different group of people watching Gaia TV versus regular TV. I get that. Um, and that's for better or worse. It's not saying that, that everyone that's in the Gaia TV group is of uh, great moral character and all the other things. I mean, you can be, any, anybody can be into that stuff. But if you've got friends that are into that kind of stuff, they're going to love this podcast. Share it with them. They'll probably know who Dr. Gilbert already is. If this is your first time hearing him, I'd, I'd highly recommend you check him out on Paul Check's Living 4D. We'll link to that in the show notes. You can listen to him on Aubrey Marcus podcast. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. And if you want to know more, watch him on Gaia. And uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. And then dive deep into... The, the full arsenal of this guy's library is really, really incredible. And I'm, it's my great hope that after taking this first class it I'll start to rabbit hole a lot more of his material. And that's it. Share this far and wide with your friends. Leave us a five-star rating with one or two ways the show has helped you out in life. Organify all year long. will be g- getting a free product to the best, the best uh, review at the end of each month. So on Spotify or iTunes. Um, just do that and support our sponsors. They make this show fiscally possible. Without them, it wouldn't exist. I love them all. I've handpicked them. They are incredible, incredible sponsors that have been around for a long time. Uh, Organifi has been one of my longest running sponsors for years, organifi.com slash KKP. Now my homies at Organifi, uh, normally I talk about the sun, Sunrise, the Sunset kit and, and how awesome the red, the green and the gold juices are. But today we're going to focus on their brand new product, Sheila Jeet Gummies. This is sourced directly from the Himalayas, home of the world's finest shilajit, uh, rich in antioxidants that can help fight free radicals. This is super important in today's toxic environment. It can support gut health and nourish the digestive tract by promoting the growth of beneficial bacteria. This is awesome. The good fungi and the good bacteria, they love this stuff. And it improves the permeability of cell membranes and helps them to better absorb and enhance nutrient absorption can support detoxification, can enhance energy levels and overall vitality. That's something that you, you don't need to take my word for. You will feel the difference for sure. And it has anti-inflammatory properties. The substantiated benefits for sure supports healthy testosterone levels. This is important for both men and women. Uh, even though females have one-eleventh of a male's testosterone, it is still the most abundant hormone in the female body. Rob Wolf pointed that out not only to myself, but to James Cameron, who ignorantly <laughs> said t- testosterone is toxic. Not quite, buddy. It supports bone and muscle health. Super important. Aids cellular energy and mitochondrial health and cellular ATP and decreases fatigue. So there's a thousand reasons to try this. It absolutely tastes incredible. You know, energy performance and strength. They used a vanilla cinnamon flavor, which is, it's awesome. And it's actually really good because there is a slight spice to the Sheila But the main thing is that Shilajit, if it's good, is a pain in the ass because it's like thick goop, like black tar from the dinosaur era. You got to mix it in with something hot and then most of it gets stuck to the bottom of your cup or to the side of it, depending on what you're mixing with. You can use toothpicks and other shit, but it's just not, it's not great to have to mix this stuff and it gets stuck to your teeth and all that. Having it in the gummies is awesome. I just, I just throw this in my gums like a Souserino and I let that sit there and slowly drip in, buccally, right through the gums, uh, love this stuff. Tastes great. Absolutely phenomenal. Just take two gummies once or twice per day. Go to Organifi.com slash KKP and use code KKP at checkout for 20% off everything in the store. We're brought to you again on today's episode by NeuroHacker.com slash KKP. Remember to use code KKP for an additional 15% off to experience life-changing mental performance from quality of mind. Uh, I've had James Schmachtenberger on this podcast twice, and he can be an absolute regular. I will have him on many times. He is a brilliant human being, founder of the Neurohacker Collective, and founder of Qualia, who makes the very best nootropics on the planet. These guys were known as the kitchen sink back in the Paleo FX days of nootropics. And nootropics were something that I really got drawn to uh, towards the end of my fight career. I realized a lot of my older teammates and different people that i had been accustomed to, only a few years older than me, were starting to slip up and really, you know, they looked a lot older than they were, you know, mentally uh, in conversations, things like that. It reminded me of my old man, you know, and my old man's 72, but he's earned it. And obviously he was, he was doing a lot to, to bang himself up in those days. But it really got me thinking, how do I switch from performance into longevity? And with that, where do I need to perform at a high level? I need my brain to perform at a high level because I'm constantly reading, constantly learning. I need to have these topics alive in me so I can access them during a podcast. And that got me into nootropics. And Qualia Mind was one of the very first products that I took where I was like, holy shit, I feel way different. And I talked to James about this formulation because there's so many ingredients in here. And one of the things he said is they didn't wanna just make you perform better. They wanted to help heal the brain. They wanted to give the brain the nutrients and herbs that it needed to actually become better. The hardware, not just the software, And the long-term, not just the short-term. And I absolutely love them for this. This is uh, just a fantastic, fantastic product. And I think everyone should check it out. Our sponsor, Neurohacker, combines 28 of the most research-backed nootropic ingredients on earth into the ultimate brain fuel formula, Qualia Mind. And it's been changing people's lives for years now. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in each great ingredient's effect on supporting mental clarity. Here's the guarantee. It's also backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee. So you have almost three months to try qualia, qualia Mind at no financial risk and decide for yourself. Trust me, you don't stand by a product like this unless you know it's the shit and then it works through and through and it's going to work for everyone. Once I got started on this stuff, I realized there was a whole field that I needed to dive into. And, and really, this spark in brain activity is what got me looking at fasting and ketogenic diets and MCTs and ketones and a whole host of other shit that complements brain function and the healing of the hardware and the, the, uh, the ramping up of the software. So I absolutely love this. It's still in my medicine kitchen and it's still something that I go to on podcast days, uh, even really hard workouts. You know, for a long time, the brain has been uh, understood as the central governor when you're running long distance, when you're lifting heavy weights. And if you can ramp up the brain from nootropics like Qualia Mind, that can have a great impact on your workout Uh, boxing, anything where I need to to be more cerebral with, like jujitsu, things like that. This is excellent as a pre-workout for those reasons. It's not gonna give me more endurance, but it is gonna allow me to be in the zone and thinking clearly through things uh, much better, especially as I fatigue. So this is awesome. You can be more focused on tasks, better memory, increased verbal acuity, motivate and discipline to get things done, productivity and mental clarity. I absolutely love this stuff for all the reasons listed above. And it really has changed you know, what I can bring to the table. Um, there's just, there's just no, no, no question that this is something that, that takes you to a different level. And you got to try it for yourself. See what the best brain fuel formula on earth can do for your mindset. Go to neurohacker.com slash KKP for up to $100 off Qualia of Mind. And as a listener of the Cal Kingsbury podcast, use code KKP at checkout for an additional 15% off any purchase. That's neurohacker.com slash KKP and use code KKP for an additional 15% off to experience life-changing mental performance from Qualia Mind. We're also brought to you today by the homies at curednutrition.com slash KKP. We all know that a full night's sleep is essential when we're working towards optimizing overall health. Cured Sleep Bundle, which combines their best-selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to ensuring that you get a full night of sleep every night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, cannabinoids, and adaptogens, while CBN is a lesser-known cannabinoid found in the hemp plant. These supplements were designed to support the two most critical stages of your body's sleep cycle, REM sleep and non-REM deep sleep. Keard's raw CBN oil contains 30 milligrams of CBD and 5 milligrams of CBN. Together, the CBD and CBN create a synergistic whole-body effect. When it starts to kick in, you'll notice every inch of your body soften into a deeper state of relaxation, is if you're lying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Once you're asleep, Zen is there to ensure that your body is successfully cycling out of non-REM deep sleep and into REM and back again. Some people can't fall asleep, others can't stay asleep, and then there are those that fall asleep and stay asleep but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what is keeping you from true rest and restoration, this sleep bundle is your solution. Think of it as your one-two punch for a body and brain reset. Absolutely important here, right? Rob Wolf once said, if you're not getting enough sleep, you're cock blocking your fat loss. Totally true. Fat loss, appetite control, muscle building, uh, youthfulness, brain, you know, anything related to the brain. How you if you're learning something new, you need good sleep to store that and to be able to recall that. Reading a book, anything you want to access, sleep is the thing that cements that and makes it permanent. And when you optimize your sleep, you're going to optimize everything, your fat loss, your recovery, uh, how the brain functions the next day, there's no nootropic on the planet that's better than a good night's sleep. And I, and I love nootropics, but it all starts with sleep. So visit curednutrition.com slash KKP and get code KKP again for 20% off everything in the store. There's zero grogginess. There's no melatonin in here. It's chronically overdosed in the market and makes many people groggy. Uh, this will allow you to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to take on your day. Absolutely incredible ingredients. Check it out, curednutrition.com slash KKP. And remember to use code KKP at checkout for 20% off. Last but not least, we're brought to you by longtime sponsor Lucy.co. That's L U C Y.co. Look, we're all adults here, and I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or just unwind after a long day. Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. We're getting late in 2023. You for sure better be on track with this and have the very best possible way of consuming this stuff. And Lucy has many great flavors. They taste incredible and it's mad convenient. You can use this on airplanes. You can use it in the gym. You can use it on campus. You can use it it in a school library. You don't have these giant vape clouds with all these different pegulated oils and nasty shit. Toss this in your gums and you're ready to go. Ping, nootropics fire up, the brain fires up, nicotine fits in acetylcholine receptors, and all of a sudden you're ready to go. Unlock the muse within yourself. If you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co, that is lucy.co, and use promo code KKP at checkout. And I also have to read this disclaimer, warning, this product contains nicotine, nicotine is an addictive chemical. Remember, if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.co and be sure to use that promo code KKP. And without further ado, Dr. Robert Gilbert. Dr. Robert Gilbert,
1: it's so good to have you. Great, thanks for having me here. It's good to join you.
0: I had, I had, uh, I had heard about you on uh, Paul Checks. Paul's a good friend of mine and, and a mentor. And um, I had a hunt where I was driving with a good friend of mine who actually handles a lot of Aubrey Marcus's guests and things like that. So we had a drive from Austin, Texas up to Northern Colorado and we chewed through a, a bunch of your material, YouTube videos <laughs> and the podcast with Paul and I, I simply couldn't get enough. And then Aubrey ended up snagging you first. And I was like, well, now I have to have him on. So
1: um
0: it is a pleasure to be here uh with you. And um there's a lot, you know, that that we'll cover here because of of your wealth of knowledge. You have so much, but I do want to start off the podcast as I always do with really understanding the inner workings of you. What was life like growing up and what drove you, you know, on the path that you've been on into discovering all the things that you've been glued to because it's it's not, you know, this isn't something that when you're growing up, they say like, well, you could you could become you know what Dr. Robert Gilbert has become. Like
1: there's no there's no real
0: carved path for that that just makes sense to people. So it's it's clear that you've you've always walked your own path and um and it's an impressive one at that. So I'd love for you to dive deep into this.
1: Great, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I think relevant to the work that I evolved into doing, the key thing for me was always that I had only understood things in the world when I see them from the larger context first, when I see it from the big picture, and then I drill down into the individual components. At that point, I could really understand how things work, why things work, the relative importance or significance of different things in life. But I really always needed to see the big picture first. And so a major part of that is to really understand the big picture of anything it requires seeing the overall pattern. And so from a, a young age, I always focused on what is the pattern behind this aspect of life? You know, whether it's health or relationships or career, whatever it is, you know, what is the, the key set of patterns that really control this? Because I, I came to understand that you really don't have freedom in life. You really don't have the ability to really make an informed choice about anything in life until you understand what the overall context and pattern is, and then you clearly understand the ramification of the different choices that you could make. Now, connected with that, I'd always had an interest in what are the larger metaphysical uh, significant aspects of life. I've always innately understood the classical concept of memento mori. That we should always be aware of death because our life could end unexpectedly at any time. And that this is a life is a limited time opportunity, as I like to say, and that we really need to have a understanding that rather than frittering away our lifetimes with uh, things that really won't add up to anything, that we need to focus on the things that are the most significant for the two main aspects of life. And that is really the inner and the outer. What are the most important things to focus on for my own personal development and my own inner journey to work on my own potential and to become the person I, I want to become with all the siddhas or powers that can be developed by a human being and earthly incarnation? And on the other hand, what is the service that I'm meant to provide to other people? You know, what is my relative comparative advantage for what I know or can do well Compared to others, so that the thing that I'm doing in life can really become the the most significant offer that that I can make. And so these are really the the background for me. Uh, I also came to understand over time that there's a very important principle in life. Uh, I came to understand that we can ask ourselves the question: If I had infinite time and infinite money, what would I choose to do with my time? Uh, in whatever time I've been allotted uh, here on this particular incarnation. And to then, once you've found what is that thing that you would choose to do if you had all the resources you ever need, it really shows you what's the most important thing to you. What's the most significant aspect to you? Uh, I've always found that it's interesting to see how people perceive the world because some people will have endless fascination and understanding of certain topics that for me, I have no innate resonance with or don't make any sense to me, and vice versa, that we really have particular things in life that have always motivated us and that we somewhat innately understand and that we're drawn towards. And that's directly connected to this whole idea about what would I do if I had infinite resources? And then if I don't have infinite resources, how do we then make our uh career, our our income generation, our work in life, that thing that we would be doing anyway, even if we didn't have to generate the the money to pay the bills. So I think that's some of the the key things that kind of led me to where I am today.
0: I, I love that and I track completely because I I, I credit myself with I, I I feel like I'm a lifelong student, you know, and I've I'm that's the thing that lights me up is learning and the podcast helps with that, but reading and then the application of these things, experience all a part of the learning process. And in many ways, I get paid to learn still, you know, I'm paid to learn. I'm paid to (laughs) to be educated with you alongside, you know, the the listeners of this podcast. And, um, I really enjoy that when you can match vocation, uh, with the thing that that's going to help with the income. It it certainly makes for, for a more beautiful life, for sure.
1: Wonderful. At what point,
0: I was just going to say, at what point did you start gravitating towards some of the deeper, you know, teachings from guys like Rudolf Steiner. And obviously, you've, you know, you've linked up with Dr. Ibrahim Karim and are one of his top professors. There's so much there. If you look at the the end of it where you're at right now, and you're just like, holy shit, where did that really begin? Where you started to gravitate towards some of the ancient mystery schools and and deeper understandings of reincarnation and things like that.
1: I've always had a uh, innate interest in it and somewhat of an innate understanding of parts of it. Uh, But I grew up in, for much of my youth, I was growing up in uh, rural parts of South Carolina, where at a time before the internet existed, you know, you have a fairly limited access to, you know, these deep wisdom traditions. But I was very fortunate that I grew up in a family that was very accepting of researching, inquiring into anything. It wasn't very dogmatic, so that was great. And so over time, I just would look into whatever was classical spiritual knowledge that was available and a lot of it was Eastern to begin with. So that when I joined the Marine Corps, uh, when I was 20, one of my goals was to be stationed in Japan so that I could study the Japanese esoteric systems, things like Shingon Buddhism and uh, various types of systems that they have in both Japan and the East in general. And I did so, and I was stationed in Okinawa for almost three years, and I found that to be absolutely fascinating. So I found that the the Japanese, Tibetan, Chinese, Indian traditions had so much deep wisdom and knowledge in them, and also some of the lessons for life that were contained in the Japanese system, you know, in the classic samurai tradition, the acceptance of death, and... Always focusing on doing the one right thing, regardless of consequences. These kinds of things, I think, are important life wisdom that are eternal uh, across time for everyone to really integrate as we're making choices in life. And then uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps at 23, I had a spiritual awakening experience on the summer solstice where I had a lot of spontaneous recall of what in the classical traditions would be called reading the name inscribed on the stone. And what they meant by that is you start to remember things about who you are, why you're here, things related to past incarnations. Again, getting some context for who am I right now? Why am I in this place? What am I supposed to be doing? So I had a a kind of spontaneous awakening experience on that summer solstice. And that then led me to doing research to find sources of information that matched what I had remembered or received. And I found that the Rosicrucian tradition of Europe had a particular initiation saying, which is, in the beginning was the memory. And what they mean by this is that the start of your path is when you remember, who am I, why am I here, what did I choose to do in this incarnation? And that led me to the work of Rudolf Steiner, certain experiences that I had, certain things that I had remembered, such as the passage through the sun sphere before incarnation and what was known in classical times as the seven heavenly halls, which is the spiritual journey that we take after death and into the next physical incarnation, that I found that Rudolf Steiner's work from Europe Uh, really matched my experiences very well, although I knew nothing of it at the time I had the experience, and that uh, Steiner's work really is a type of modern encyclopedia of esoteric or spiritual knowledge. He has over 350 volumes of either books that he wrote or collected lectures, and I just found a, a treasure trove of powerful information there, and I actually was able to find at the University of South Carolina in their library that somebody there had purchased a set of one of Steiner's most important lecture series that is considered by many people that really know Steiner to be like the height of his work, which was called Karmic Relationships. And the Karmic Relationships series uh, were collected lectures from the 1920s by Steiner, where he's talking about remembering who we are in a particular incarnation and how impulses uh develop in a person's lifetime from one lifetime to the next and that was very very helpful so steiner became a very important foundation for me to remember these things and understand the larger context and then i began to expand out further into uh, both the western and eastern tradition at that time the knowledge from the internal alchemy of china was beginning to become accessible really for the first time ever Uh, Things that were highly hidden before in the early 1980s, the internal alchemy practices of Taoist yoga were first starting to be taught publicly or to be published in books. And I found that to be one of the most amazing uh, systems ever developed on the planet for understanding human internal energy and how our internal system works for our spiritual development I still think it's one of the most incredible systems that's exist, uh, existed ever in recorded human history. And now we have great access to it now that we're at the time of this recording in 2023. A lot of information, formerly highly secret, has been released from that. And I found that this was true for many traditions. One thing that I often talked about in my courses is that we live at a time where we have a tremendous blessing and a curse. And that blessing is that we have access to incredibly deep and formally secret, hidden spiritual and energetic information, that it's unbelievable that today things that you'd have had to spend a lifetime trying to search out, traveling around the world or to be accepted into some very closed society. You can now get as a book for 1695, and you just get this incredible access information that was very hidden before so that's the blessing and i found in this particular incarnation that's been one of the most fascinating things like oh my god the stuff that required so much work to get pieces of this before we have so much available now but it also leads to our curse and that curse is that the release of this information has often been in a very fragmented and piecemeal form so that often today Uh, I find that today in modern metaphysics, many people in the modern metaphysical world actually have a a knowledge base or an education that is much inferior to a person 100 years ago. An educated esotericist in the early 1900s with the growth of the Theosophical Society and things like that would often have a richer knowledge base than uh, people have today even though we have access to much more information now. But that's because of the fragmentation of the information and the sensationalization of some of the information where we don't always understand the larger context, the big picture of what this information came from in different traditions. And that's one reason why I created the Vesica Institute is I wanted to be able to teach whole systems, to be able to teach the patterns behind systems and to put together pieces that had only been released in fragments before, so that people could see as clearly and concisely as possible the big picture, and then be able to make informed decisions in their own life based on understanding how it all fits together.
0: I love that. I've been, I've been, you know, eyeballing your website uh, for a while, the Vesica Institute, and I noticed that there was. Um, uh, you know, you have a coursework that previously was unreleased but recorded on, on the Rosicrucians, and I love the podcast you did with Aubrey where you really broke that down. I'm curious, in some of the, the courses that you release, is it more of a history on what they were doing inside the Mystery School, or is it something that actually initiates somebody that, that, that goes through that course?
1: It's meant to be an initiation. Now, we do, to be able to navigate it, need to have some historical knowledge, uh, so there is some of that there, but the vast majority of what's in the online courses is actually related to the, uh, the practical activities. So I go into a lot of historical background in the Rosicrucian series that's available on my website, which was recorded many years ago. Uh, but that was my giving people an understanding of the patterns in that tradition to understand things like what are the patterns in time? that have controlled human evolution, like the seven archangelic ages or the concepts coming from the Eastern tradition of the four great yugas or things like this, to give people a sense of the development of modern spiritual history step by step. Because although that is, we could be considered as intellectual or historical knowledge, it's absolutely essential to understand it so that we can see what is then to be expected as the next steps of an orderly, consecutive process of growth, of alchemical development. So that's why the historical knowledge is actually quite important, because it gives us a frame of reference for how things develop in alchemical stages. And that's true for our own lives and for all of human evolution. And then we can start to understand what is the unique opportunities of the current lifetime Based on the alchemical steps of human evolution that have come before and where we are now and Then where that's going to lead to further in the future So it's essential context for making an informed decision. So for example We have today access to an incredible range of different types of spiritual exercises or practices that we could do But we only have limited time and energy. So how do we make an informed choice? about what meditative practices, what energetic or health practices am I going to focus on at this particular time of my life because there's so many different things we could choose. So that means understanding, again, this larger context of how different spiritual traditions have at different time periods created particular practices that we could do that were essential for the activation of something in the human mind, energy, body, that needs to come online, that needs to be activated for the next stage of our development. And so I put things together so that we had that context, but also gave practices. And particularly, I put together a series of practice-based online courses. So the Rosicrucian series, although it has practices, also has a very strong historical background and spiritual context background. And then for when people are starting on what I call the spiritual science track, I always recommend to them that they begin with the class that I created called Essential Teachings and Practices of Spiritual Science. I created that so that regardless of a person's background or lack thereof in spiritual studies or esoteric knowledge, I could bring them up stage by stage uh, to what are the fundamental things to understand, about spiritual development what are some of the key exercises and have them go step by step through those exercises so for example in the online course essential teachings and practices of spiritual science i go into important contextual aspects like the different levels of structure in the human being and how that's seen in different traditions and how they'll approach that for development about how we develop our energy system in three different ways And in different traditions, at different times, they would choose one of the three different key methods, which are almost never talked about in a clear contextual manner, for us to develop ourselves to a higher level. And that is we can either get activated in our energy system from above to below, or we can do it from below to above, or we can do it from the center out. Now, this is rarely spoken of contextually, so people understand these choices. And particularly the third option The center-out development of the human energy system is not well understood today at all, even though for the Rosicrucians of Europe, that is the key method. And we need to understand that the original Rosicrucian tradition in Europe, and I'm not talking about any particular Rosicrucian organization today. I'm not really an organizational guy. I don't belong to any Rosicrucian physical organization today. I always make the joke from Woody Allen about I wouldn't want to join any organization that would have somebody like me for a member. So (laughs) uh, I'm not really an organizational guy. I see lots Mm -hmm. of times people get... Organizations can be very helpful. Uh, But I also see in certain cases that people join organizations and they end up spending more time on political moving ahead in grades or ranks of the organization than they do on the actual spiritual development, which I think is... uh, Is a bit of an esoteric trap that I I don't want to fall into. So in this whole aspect of development, again, just focusing on this one example of the three types of developing the energy system, the bottom-up system was the one used in the old Asian systems, things like awakening the kundalini at the base of the spine and then having it come upward. The problem is when kundalini methods came to the West big time with the the Beatles Popularizing Eastern systems in the 1960s. And then you had all of these great Eastern masters coming to the U.S. and then being popularized around the world in the later 60s and the 1970s. And they taught these Kundalini yoga systems. Those had been taught in ashrams where people had been prepared for years and years and years and purified their ph- physical vehicle before they did the activation. Because what happens if you activate the kundalini before you've done that level of work and preparation is you get what is referred to in India as a diverted rising of kundalini. So rather than coming up cleanly from the base of the spine to activate the crown center, what happens is that the the energy circuits are too blocked or clogged in various areas and they go off on these side routes. And so many people developed what was known as kundalini sickness in the 60s and 70s from doing these Eastern practices without the sufficient level of preparation that had always been done previously classically. That's one reason why in the early 1980s, when the information from the Chinese Taoist yoga became available, and Taoist yoga is still much less known than Indian yoga in Western metaphysical circles, but it needs to be much better known is that the, the Taoist actually clarified what the problem was with the system that people were getting from India about shooting the energy from the base of the spine to the crown center. And again, not only did you have diverted risings, but when you bring all that strong energy into the head and you leave it in the head, it creates what's known as Kundalini sickness. So vertigo, nausea, uh, intense heat, In the head and the body headaches mania all types of issues in the end it burns everything out so then you get chronic fatigue Uh, so what the dallas clarified is you can't just shoot it to the top and leave all the energy here this is not a safe place to store energy safe place to store energy is in the lower abdomen what they call the lower dantian or the lower alchemical uh, field that This energy in the head cannot hold all that kundalini energy rising up to here. It won't be beneficial. So they taught the microcosmic orbit, move the energy up the spine to the top of the head, touch the tip of the tongue to the roof of the mouth, which is the energy conductor to link the energy circuit of the back called the governing vessel in Chinese medicine, touch the tip of the tongue to the roof of the mouth to link it to the conception vessel in the front of the body, and then run it in a cycle. As soon as people start to learn that and do that, then they get over Kundalini sickness because there's no longer all this energy stuck in the head. And then they learn like the next steps of Dallas yoga, which is to be able to circulate a spiral vortex in the lower abdomen to collect all that energy safely. So anyway, this is just a slight commentary on what happened historically that we need to be aware of and not have happened to us in our development based on the bottom-up method of uh, developing the human energy system then the top-down system really got popularized with the christian tradition where you see these pictures of of jesus being initiated in the river jordan by uh, john where you see the dove of the holy spirit descending down a column of energy from above into his crown center and that activates the crown center first with the energies from above us in the column of energy above our heads which is an incredibly important spiritual structure And then the crown activates, and then it activates all the centers going downward. And then the center out method is the one that I then teach in more detail, because it's the least known method. I teach in more detail and give people step-by-step instructions on how to do it in Essential Teachings and Practices of Spiritual Science course. And this is then related to the Rosicrucian method from Rudolf Steiner and the original Rosicrucian tradition, not any particular organization today, that uh, worked on developing the heart center first. So not the crown down, not the base up, but developing the heart center first, because in any understanding of the pattern, let's say of the seven chakras, the fulcrum point, the pivot point is the fourth chakra, the heart, three above, three below. And as we can discuss later with biogeometry, it's it's critical to activate the center activating our center is really the most important practice we could say overall in any type of spiritual development because we can activate all kinds of different powers and abilities but if we have no center to organize it it's all just going to be pure chaos it's not going to benefit us or anybody else and so what the rosicrucians do is they have six exercises that are known as the six basic exercises or the six essential exercises. I go into them in great detail in that online course. And when you do each of these six exercises, each one of them is going to develop one of the lotus petals of the 12-petal lotus of the heart. Six of the lotus petals were already developed by humanity in an earlier stage of evolution, but we have to consciously develop the other six lotus petals. When we do, the heart goes into activity and it becomes an organizing center For the whole body of energy and it will also balance the harmful effects of any other earthly experiences that we have or spiritual practices that may not really be beneficial for us if the center has been activated so i just wanted to give you a concrete example of what i'm talking about from the essential teachings and practices course as like these are essential things to know in getting started on spiritual development and then other things like Some traditions only do receptive meditation where you have like a clear mind state like Zen or Vipassana or transcendental meditation. It's all receptive. Other traditions, particularly in the West, do only active meditations where you're developing your mind power, being able to generate thought forms and projecting thought forms. And usually it's only taught one or the other. And a tradition that teaches one side of this equation will usually ridicule and dismiss the other side. But in fact, it's like breathing or walking. You got to do one and then the other. We have to go constantly into a receptive state where we take in the information. We don't do anything to try to distort it or to manipulate it at first. We just take in whatever we are dealing with in a receptive way. And then we can actively project with our own mind power the things to happen. And then it becomes the full system. But today it's all fragmented and people don't know that's the full system. And then the later courses in the spiritual science track, like uh, connecting to spiritual realities, talk about more advanced practices of developing the human energy system, developing the centers above the head, which are essential for any type of advanced spiritual practice or consciousness or direct communication with non-physical beings in an undistorted way, as well as developing the centers below the body, which is almost completely ignored today, and then linking together the patterns above the head with those below the body into a particular form known as the vesica. So that's my long-winded answer to your question about how I've structured this information and that it's very practice-based, but we do have to provide the the larger understanding of context so people can navigate it properly and in a free manner.
0: That that makes a lot of sense. So what I'm gathering is that, that even though they're all correct methods of, of activation, that coming from the heart might be the best place to start, especially for the non-initiated or somebody that's looking for a, for a place to start, and that's why you focus a bit there, or is it just because that's the least known? Like if, I, if I was to choose between the three with all of your experience in working with people, it seems like from what I'm gathering that starting from the heart might be the best, best route to go.
1: That's, that's what I've come to in my own experience and in working with people. I've been so fortunate to meet so many spiritually advanced and fascinating people in my life and the research and travel that I've done. But I have to say that one of the most advanced people I've ever met was a Buddhist who, not known to the public, just a very ordinary person, the most humble guy you'd ever want to meet, but he had developed the heart center to the point that he just radiated light at a very, very high level. You know, he had really done core spiritual transformation in a way that you can take through the gate of death and will affect all of your future incarnations. So, again, there are certain advantages to the different methods. You get a lot of energetic development if you do the bottom-up method, but there's a lot of things that have to be done if you're going to do the bottom-up method that are often ignored today or not understood today. You get certain advantages with the top-down method, which is that you can understand what you're doing first And then you can use the power of the mind to be able to balance the activations of the centers below it, particularly as you get to the sexual centers and things like that, so that it doesn't just become a mania. It's something that you can actually integrate the core life forces in the body and our sexual relationships in a way that are the most beneficial for us and the people that we're connecting with. But the center out method, I do think, is tragically so little known today, is the most important because it allows us to develop an organizing center for all of the other activations in our energy field. I often like to clarify for people that everything we have today in metaphysics is all about healing. And I found years ago that if I put the word healing in the title of a course, I get three times as many people as if I had some other title that I was using. So everybody's looking for healing all the time. But the thing is, healing is not meant to be a goal in itself. Healing is for the purpose of making us whole so that we can actually do the work we came here to do. We get various levels of trauma and injury on all kinds of subtle body and consciousness levels, emotional levels uh, in the process of incarnating into our earthly family and the things we have to go through in the school of hard knocks. And so healing is very, very important. But healing comes from uh, a root, which means to become whole. And so it's meant to simply help us get our shit together enough to be coherent and whole enough to be able to then do the work we actually came to do. So healing is really the first step. And yes, we'll do some healing throughout life. And it is like layers of an onion and it continues to progress. But we shouldn't think that like, oh, it's all about healing as a goal in itself. It's not. The healing is for becoming whole enough to do the work. Then the next level is the level of activation. That's where we actually activate our consciousness. We activate our heart forces, we activate our will forces and our energy body. And there's a whole series of different activations that are important to work with on the spiritual path. So activation is essential. It's one reason why psychotropics are becoming such a big topic today, because in a world that is highly materialistic, <clears throat> and people are highly damped down by their environment, the psychotropics are one method used classically to be able to do certain activations. It's only one method, but it is one that's becoming increasingly popular. And we should understand how it works. Now, that's not the end either, because the problem is people can activate. Somebody can go off on some shamanic journey with somebody and, and do a bunch of ayahuasca or something else, and they can activate all kinds of things. It may be life-changing, it may be very important. The question is can you hold on to the state and not slide back to an earlier state that wasn't as beneficial or not integrate properly the experience so that it just becomes somewhat destabilizing to the person rather than something that they can build on to become stronger and more complete and more coherent and so that's why above the healing and above the activation The next level is the stabilization level this was well understood in ancient traditions like the Taoist tradition in china but today it's not well understood at all so we see a lot of people who may have had massive activations with psychotropics or other things in modern times in their spiritual work which i'm not putting down it's absolutely very important but they haven't been introduced really to the concept of stabilization which is like again so very important because until we can stabilize That activation in our energy system, it can lead to destabilizing our life, and it may also lead to the experiences being unintegrated, both psychologically and energetically, to the point that you don't really take the siddha or the power from it through the gate of death into the next incarnation, so it gets somewhat lost. So that's really when we integrate during that stabilization phase, so it becomes a permanent part of us. And we can take it with us through the gate of death and into all the later incarnations, which again is a core principle of so many classical traditions, including things like the ancient Egyptian that, you know, you have to take the developments you had in earthly life through the gate of death into the greater life beyond.
0: It's such an important piece that you bring up. I've, I've had, uh, quite a few rounds in, in the plant medicine world and, uh, it's right as you were speaking to that, you know, I remember there was a time where I'd go there, I'd get the medicine, I'd come back, wow, I'm different, you know, and three months would go by and I'm like, man, I feel normal again. So I need to go back, you know, and I'd go back and I'd be like, oh man, I think I lost it again. And, um, I don't know where, where it happened somewhere, you know, in the last, it's probably been 15 years. So somewhere in, in, you know, the last like five years of that, probably a better part of a decade of, of that type of, uh, relationship to it. And then it just, I just felt, like relieved, there was no uh, there was no draw to go back. It was like, oh, I can I can go back, but now I had integrated the ability to to open up the line of communication. I didn't need ayahuasca to answer my questions. I had a direct I had direct cons open, you know, and and with that, um, it felt like there was a level of graduation in in, in the integration aspect. Like I I had these channels available to me at all times, and um, but still a curiosity with that work, and even more of a curiosity. You know, as we look, I have, uh, there's a lot of people that are, that are excited about it. You know, they're really excited that this is available. They're excited that they have access to it. They hear the, the, you know, all the great results from people and, um, and they don't integrate well, you know, they, they have the blast off experience and, and, uh, in many ways, I mean, shit in the last six months, I know three different people that are having a very hard time grounding themselves and, and, you know, collecting whatever their sense of reality and sense making was before that experience, it's, it's relatively gone now. And I don't believe it's gone for good, but um, that's a massive pitfall to talk about. You know, it's disclaimers all around people are like, Oh, it's not for everybody. You want, you know, best proper setting and all that shit. And it's like, you can have those things and it still goes South. When you go to Sultara is one of my favorite places in the world to to drink ayahuasca and they flash a people shaman and, and you have to sign on the waiver. I may not be better after this. I may be worse after this experience right <laughs> it's a very real possibility um but that's why i'm so drawn i mean i've been drawn to steiner i felt like when paul introduced me to steiner i was like holy shit like there's so much here there's literally so much like where do i start how do i begin to break this down um and in many different a- avenues not from just the spiritual but we do regenerative agriculture and permaculture i'm like wow the founder of biodynamics, you know, there's just a whole, there's, a, there's a, a wealth of knowledge. You know, I could study that for 30 years and still not fully grasp it. Um, and then hearing about the Rosicrucians and different things like that, I've, I've, there's a draw for me because of the way they had systematized things. They understood the path of initiation had many components to it. And these were held in the mystery schools, right? And so like, there, I have a genuine draw. I mean, Christian Pity, my buddy, the guy that I was listening to for six hours on these drives with you, um, with you on on the uh, on the phone, it was like I have a genuine draw for that because I think it's one of the missing components in today's plant medicine movement, and in any spiritual movement for that matter. Right? We think of uh, you know whether it's a darkness retreat or you know the or- original Native American vision quest, no food, no water for four days. I mean, you hopefully in that set and setting, you're going to have a really good caretaker that has you know a wealth of knowledge with those experiences and can help help you integrate and ground the experience. But it seems like the Mystery Schools knew exactly what to expect. It was almost like having a league of elders that had gone through it all and kind of mapped that out for us. And I think that's that's one of the real draws I had in, in uh, looking to your website was like, is that this is the thing I think it is. This is the exact thing I'm looking for. And I think it's the exact thing that's gonna help quite a few people.
1: Great, thank you. I- I appreciate everything that you just shared. I couldn't agree more. Uh, So again, like you're talking about the people that are still working to try to integrate these psychotropic experiences, it's very significant. Uh, I also find that there's a difficulty today in the psychotropic world that often people will start with too high a dosage. And if you examine this from a subtle body perspective, too high a dosage can cause damage to these subtle energy networks in the body. You're putting too much voltage through circuits or wires in the energy system that aren't rated for that level of charge. And so it, you know, it's pretty much classic that you have to have like a day or two of recovery anyway after you do these things, because like your whole system gets totally activated and then you got to build back. But uh, it's one of these things that, you know, often the dosage is too high. Uh, The way that I I like to express it is that we should think of the use of psychotropics and these types of things as like learning how to surf. And so you you don't want to go to Hawaii for your first surfing lesson and ride a 100-foot wave and get crushed by it. You want to be able to stay on top of the water and use the momentum of the wave to shoot you forward with great velocity while staying balanced. (laughs) You're riding the wave. And that's what I think the psychotropic experience should be like. It's like riding a wave. Too much, and you're just going to get slammed by the wave and you're going to be tumbling head over heels underwater, not knowing which way is up. And hopefully coming back to the top for oxygen in time. But this it's a whole thing of understanding you know, how are we going to approach this? And I think now that we're at the point of legalization of all kinds of different psychotropics which I think is fantastic because I'm a libertarian and think it's not the government's business to tell me what I can put in my body anyway. But nonetheless, with that happening, there needs to be a very mature discussion. Just like we need a very mature discussion today about esoteric and spiritual development. We need to have that with the use of psychotropics, because I think it can be absolutely life-changing for people. It can totally wake people up to dimensions that they never understood before. It's incredibly important. But like anything, you got to understand what's the pattern behind it. What's the What's the way to work with it? One thing that I've been working with that I'm just starting to talk about publicly is if people are going to work with this, we have to understand that different psychotropic substances have very different effects on a person. And so the minimum system that I use to be able to understand it is the system that we have of the three elixir fields from Chinese medicine. The upper dantian or elixir field is the consciousness in the head. Then the middle elixir field or dantian is the the heart and the, the center of the chest and then the lower elixir field is the dynamic life force, life force in its largest sense, as well as sexual energy, that's in the lower abdomen. And so I've started talking more about, and I'm gonna be releasing more information in the near future, and also network with people who have even more involved models of different psychotropic activations about how certain substances will be used to activate the head, others to activate the center, and others to activate the lower dantian, and that these can be done at the same time. And so I think that's a very important concept, uh, that when you mix them together in the correct way, that you can activate all three centers simultaneously, and then the entire experience is not only more multifaceted, it's also much more grounded. Uh, Also, when people have difficulty integrating the experience there are certain types of energetic practices that can be done. So like in my Gaia TV series on sacred geometry, I try to offer people some of the most fundamental ones, like the toroidal energy circulation from below to above and above to below and both at the same time. These are things that flow the energy in the system in an important way, just like the microcosmic orbit up the spine and down the front and many other things we haven't touched on here. So then with the other things that you were were mentioning, about being able to really provide context and uh, information for all these different things coming out today. Again, this is part of what I really uh, do hope the Vesig Institute uh, will be able to offer to people, is the tremendous flood of fragmented information, being able to put that together in as clear, concise, and coherent a manner as possible, So people don't have to spend 30 or 40 years trying to get the basic information at that point, they're old before they can do the work, but to get the information as soon as possible so that once they are empowered with understanding how the practices work, understanding the knowledge base, understanding the larger patterns they can navigate through for their own personal development, for their own full development of their own potential, as well as remembering who am I and why did I come here for this incarnation? that they can do that as soon as possible. So one very important thing for me with the work that we do at Vesica is that it's all very non-dogmatic. It's like you don't have to do any particular thing. There's no organization for you to join. You are meant to be an an independent person. And one thing I liked about the Rosicrucians is the Rosicrucian order in its original form, not necessarily the organizations that use the term Rosicrucian today, but the original form of Rosicrucianism was always independent. It was always about making your own direct contact with spirit not having to go through another person. And so the, everything that I create at Vesica is meant for people to be empowered with the knowledge and the practices as quickly and easily as possible. And they'll, then they are going to apply it in different ways based on their own consciousness and subtle body structure and what it is that they're meant to work on in this particular lifetime. But these are like universal principles that everybody can pull on. But it's very important for me that uh, we really follow this kind of independent path of spiritual initiation. Other people can help us at certain points, but we never become dependent upon a particular external organization or individual. It's all about strengthening our direct contact with spirit and our own understanding and navigation of the path that we're going to create based on that.
0: I love that. Yeah, we've we've all recognized where in the past. It was either a priest or or you know a guru or now a plant medicine that has all the answers for us that we need to go back to to get clean and clear and confess and and heal and all that stuff. So uh, I very much appreciate the independence of 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 what you're offering and and that it is in that light that it is for our own path to be walked as we can stand on our own two feet and have a direct connection with Source. You've talked in the past about how we 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 work on ourselves not only so that we can do better work in this lifetime, so, but that we can then carry the Siddha, the gift into our following lifetimes and upcoming things that we do. Um, it, it, it makes sense. I, you know, for, for people that, that have not really wrapped their heads around reincarnation or eternity, as I like to call it, because I think, you know, once you understand eternity, you can't help but understand reincarnation um, or, or viscerally understand it for that matter. I think of the, the, there, there is a clear thing, and I've had conversations with Paul Check about this. Like, how is a guy like Beethoven born with that kind of skill set? It's clear he's brought something with him from before, that, that soul brought something with him from before. Even access, I've, I, have, I have yet to have – I don't discount it, but I have yet to have a memory of, of uh, anything pre-birth. I've had fantastic visions in in altered states from fasting and from plant medicines and, uh, and a variety of different methods, but I have yet to have the memory – of, of a past life or, or the in-between stages. But I do feel like a a core draw, you know, like when there's a soul resonance, it's like my whole body says, yes. And when you speak about these things, you know, bringing the gift into the next life, um, I have, I have a draw to that and this, this work pertains to that, correct?
1: Absolutely. There was a course that I developed called uh, karmic biography that I haven't taught in 10 years now, maybe more. Uh, that I'm planning to start offering again, hopefully next year. And the idea of it was I pulled together a lot of the principles that I had found in my own life or my own research, and particularly from Steiner's work in Rosicrucianism, such as what I mentioned in his series of books called Karmic Relationships. I wanted to pull out all this key information and put it in a concise form so people can understand that even if they don't have a conscious recollection yet, of specific past lifetimes. All you have to do is look at particular markers in your current consciousness, in your current lifetime, and you'll begin to construct what those aspects are of things that you've experienced before that have created a structure in your subtle bodies that makes you who you are. So let's start with that concept. This is like really the million dollar concept that is not fully understood by a lot of people in metaphysics today but was the, the foundation of much of the classical work is that every way that we use our, our mind and our consciousness, every way we use our emotions, every way that we use our will and physically act in the world, all of these things create an activation of certain things in our energy system and they may sedate other things in the energy system based on the choices we make. So every thought, every feeling, Every act of speech, every action we take is activating certain patterns in our energy body. The patterns that we generate over time, as well as the things that we learn and we experience, then create a structure in the subtle body that's a literal geometric structure. What energy centers are more activated? What are more sedated? What chakras have a balanced development, which are more unbalanced in their structure? These types of things but it does create literal geometric forms in the energy body. Now, this was understood classically as this is you. That's what you take through the gate of death. This structuring of your subtle bodies is literally everything that you are. It is the pearl of great price that we take with us through the gate of death into the next incarnation. Now, certain structures have to be created in those bodies to be able to consciously remember things that happened to us in past incarnations. You know, I could ask somebody, what did you have for breakfast 30 years ago today? And they probably won't know. We don't even remember from this incarnation, this type of thing. So remembering from a past incarnation is even more difficult. And again, there's always, you know, tricks and traps on the path for people having false memories of past incarnations, usually based on fantasy or ego gratification or things like that. I take it much more seriously when people tell me that they remember being a servant woman in the 1200s in France who was beaten and abused by her employer than I do somebody saying that they were one of the disciples of Christ or something. Now, it's possible they were a disciple of Christ, but that's also something that could really be an ego gratification and a fantasy. And what you'll find is that people that really had famous incarnations, they don't remember it as like, look at me, I'm amazing. They remember it as that lifetime was hard as hell and it was painful and difficult. That's the type of thing that they feel internally. It's not that external view of it in some glamorous form. Those lifetimes were not easy, even though we think of them today as something really elevated. So there's an aspect here of being able to, if we can't consciously remember yet, because we don't have that structure in our subtle bodies, that there are certain guideposts that we can look at that again i put into this karmic biography series i hope to bring back soon in uh, teaching that really go into who we are why we're here so one of i'll give you a couple of examples to make it concrete so one of these is what are things that you are innately attracted to and that just makes sense to you at a deeper level than other people around you so it could be, you know, when we're growing up or even when we're adults and we're talking to friends about something to us, this is like the most important, fascinating thing in the world It's like, good God, this is like, how could we possibly not focus our lives on this particular topic, whatever it is. Uh, and we see the significance of it. We see the deeper aspects of it innately. And the person we're talking to is like, it means nothing to them. It bounces off of them. And so... We, we start to see those things that we innately know and understand. We innately know and understand it because we did it before. We've got that structure in our subtle bodies. So it's like dehydrated, just add water in the new lifetime. And like, yes, that power is back. And this then develops into the things then that we have antipathy for and that we don't like or we don't want to deal with or we have some bias against. And unless that's something that was ingrained into us and an indoctrination in our youth, when it's other things that we had no contact with before, it's like, why do I have such an antipathy toward that thing? Again, that's often linked to past life trauma or something of that kind. So this very simple things of looking at what we're attracted to, what we innately understand, what we're repelled by, uh, will start the process. And what you'll find is that the things that people are karmically connected to They will automatically seek out, even though they don't remember the past incarnation related to it, it's so deep in our structure. We have a magnetic attraction to that thing. And sometimes when we connect to whatever that topic is, that thing is, in a way that's not at the level that we held it before, we'll contact it at some lower level. And it could be anything. It could be our type of sexual relationships. It could be certain aspects of our personal development, whatever it could be. But if we, if we contact it at a lower level in this new lifetime, because we don't have a conscious recollection of it, there's something in us that says, no, this isn't it. This is, this is not the full understanding of what this is and can be. This is not the potential this thing has. I understand it at a deeper level. And this is something that people have as a weird type of cognitive dissonance often and emotional dissonance in their lifetimes. It's like, I don't know why, but I know that this relationship with this person is not it. I know something deeper because we experienced it at a deeper level with somebody else at another time. And some part of us feels that lack. And it's also true when we connect to like particular spiritual teachers, spiritual traditions after we're in it for a bit, it's like, no, this isn't it. There's something else I'm looking for. And, or maybe this is it at a lower level, but I knew it at another level. I need to go to that next level. So what happens is that we are connected to spiritual beings all the time. In the Western tradition, we talk about the guardian angel, which is not an abstraction. It's an actual spiritual being of the angelic hierarchy that's connected to all of us and other beings that we are connected to, that uh, these beings, when they try to communicate to us, if we have not developed our energy system, particularly the centers in the head and those in the column above the head properly, they can't directly communicate to us what they're trying to get us to do. It's like, yeah, for this incarnation, it's really important that you go to this place and you do this thing or it's really important that you work with this person, or it's really important that you focus on and you study this particular field because you'll never do what you're meant to do without it. They're trying to communicate that to us, but they can't give it to us too directly. Maybe they give it to us in a fragment in a dream or something when maybe we've got some receptivity to it, but for the average person, they can't just give it out forthright. The person doesn't have the ears to hear it. They haven't developed the structure to receive it in the field yet. So what happens is that that impulse coming from these other beings that are trying to get us onto our path has to go down from the conscious level down to the lower levels of the the chest center and the lower abdominal center. And then it comes forward as an emotional impulse in the middle Dantian, or it comes forth as a will impulse in the lower abdomen. And so it's not as fully conscious as if we got it in the head. But there's still something emotionally or in our will forces pulling us toward doing that thing. Would now, you, as you say become...
0: that, that? I'm sorry to interrupt, but would you say that could come forward as a, as an intuition? Like I don't know, I can't wrap my head around why, but I know I'm going to do this. Would that be considered will, or does intuition work in that?
1: Yes. So the the intuition in this sense, uh, there's a, a fantastic thing that the Rosicrucians put together about. Imagination, inspiration, and intuition. Imagination, with a capital I, is the ability to receive spiritual information in the form of visual images. Inspiration is the ability to receive spiritual information in the form of tones or sounds. And intuition is receiving spiritual information through a direct, visceral, kinesthetic union with whatever it is that we're, we're connecting to. And so, yes, in that sense, with intuition, it actually is connecting to the lower Dantian, our will forces in the life force centers lower in the body. And again, we're not fully conscious of it, but we're being drawn toward it. So there'd be times that I'd be living in certain cities and other people were moving there and I'd say, why did you move to this place? And time and again, I would hear from people, I don't know why I came here. I just knew I had to come. And this is something that this is a marker for. This is something karmically important. It may be coming out of your own forces. It may be coming from higher beings that are connected to us. But if we can't receive it consciously, we're going to get it as an emotional impulse. Like I really want to be with this person. I really want to connect with this person for whatever reason, or as a will impulse. I need to go there. I need to do this thing. Now, taking that one step further, as we become conscious of this, we then can become conscious that we sometimes need to do particular activities in the current incarnation that we did in previous incarnations and were very important to us. They gave us certain siddhas. They gave us certain powers. They structured us in an important way. So, for example, for myself, when I joined the Marine Corps when I was 20, I only stayed for three years till so I was 23. I was an instructor in the uh, Nuclear Biological Chemical Warfare Defense aspect of things in the Marine Corps. But the people that knew me, they knew me as pretty much like a hippie type in, uh, in high school. And it was like, you're joining the Marine Corps? You're the least likely Marine we've ever seen. This must be a joke. You're not going to join the Marine Corps. But I knew that I had to do it on some level. At that point, it was just in my will forces. Didn't make any sense to anybody, but I'm going to go join the Marine Corps, although I'm a very different type of person for external perception. Uh, but then later afterwards, when I had more of my awakening experience and I remembered, I remember the reason it was in my will forces to do it is I'd had so many military and monastic lifetimes, which are very similar. If you look at the, that type of lifestyle, military and monastic are very similar lifestyles. And I'd had so many of those that gave me a lot of the abilities or siddhis that I have, and I needed to, to recapitulate that experience to go through it again consciously in this lifetime to be able to fully access those powers that I developed before. But I didn't need to spend my whole lifetime doing it the way I had in some previous lifetimes. I just needed to do a few years of it. And that allowed me to regain the discipline and the drive and the focus and the dedication and those types of things that were related to that type of activity. So I just give that as a concrete example of how these types of things work. But it's very important that people know how to look into their own lifetime again if they have no remembrance of past lifetimes everything about who you're attracted to what you're attracted to what makes sense to you and what is invisible to you in your life uh, is a clear marker of how you've structured your subtle bodies and who you are and even if you don't consciously remember what you chose to do in this lifetime some part of you is already attracted to it and Putting, bringing these internal feelings, these impulses into a conscious meditative state, in a clear mind state, like I describe in the Essential Teachings and Practices course, you're going to be able to, over time, have that go from like a seed, it's going to blossom into the whole flower, and you're going to start remembering, okay, that's the thing. That's who I am. That's why I'm here. That's what I need to do at this moment in my lifetime either for myself or as an act of service of what I can provide to other people.
0: I love it. It's something you had mentioned that really struck a chord for me and reminded me of your conversation with Aubrey and Paul. And, and since, you know, your conversation with Paul, he had a five-hour expose on on the teachings of Lucifer, Araman, and Christ. Um, you know, with, with the delusions of grandeur, whether it comes from a past life experience, I was Helen of Troy or... You know, uh, name name someone. You know, and and then uh, I was, or 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 a plant medicine journey. You know, like I, I, you know, people come back and they say the 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 second coming of Christ or whatever the thing is. Um, that obviously is is Luciferic, and I would love to know, you know, how if you could briefly break these down for people who didn't spend the five hours, you know, listening to it on Paul's podcast, because I think there are core teachings for our time as Steiner proposed, and um, you know. How, how we're able to navigate with discernment, whether you know, the, the messages that we're intuiting are getting from a from, from side or, or from up high or down low or, or actually in right relation with, with who our true teachers are.
1: Yes, thank you. I, I do believe that this understanding of what in terms of spiritual beings is referred to as Lucifer, Aram, and Christ, which was the most clearly expressed in modern times by Rudolf Steiner. Uh, but we need to see what the larger pattern is behind that. And so the larger pattern behind this is the one that we have of the Vesica, which is why I have the Vesica Institute. So you have two circles that overlap. Today, we call that a Venn diagram, where the two overlapping circles, they have something in common, like two people's lives have something in common. In this Vesica, in the Venn diagram, where the two circles overlap. Now, when you look at this pattern, then, there's the half of each circle out to each side. That's its own polarity, its own extreme. And then there's the overlap of the two in the the perfect balance point, a perfect equilibrium, where two different polarities join together to connect to a center. And so this manifests as a principle in virtually everything in life. Our energy system has this. There's aspects of polarity in our energy body, the front and the back of the body, with the two aspects of the microcosmic orbit I talked about before, but in the exact center of the body is a completely different circuit from the perineum to the crown. That's a central channel, not the spinal channel, but a central channel that in some traditions they don't even talk about They consider it to be a secret teaching. There's always the center and the center going off balance to either extreme. And that manifests in every aspect of life and it becomes a pattern of everything. So when we see this in terms of spiritual beings that we're influenced by the beings of the center the beings of what the tibetans would call the middle path or in the kabbalah we would call the middle pillar that's the perfect balance point that's where the yang and the yin are in perfect balance and combination and are connected to the one the center and so that in the western tradition In the archangelic level is related to Archangel Michael and so there's a all three monotheistic traditions so Judaism Islam Christianity Archangel Michael is one of the spiritual beings talked about the most and so this is referred to as a as a Michaelic pillar and in Christianity it's referred to as a Christic pillar so the Christ is the being shown inside the vesica in things like the medieval cathedrals Again, the cathedrals built by the original operative masons, like I talked about on Aubrey's show, these people made the cathedrals into books written in stone. When they show the Christ in a vesica over the entrance to the cathedral, to the power spot, this is all completely intentional. They're telling you something, showing Christ in the side the vesica. So in Christianity, the Christ is shown there, They might show another being that holds the principle of perfect balance in another tradition in the Vesica. And so that's what we connect to when we have the perfect balance between heaven and earth, between spirituality and physicality, uh, between masculine and feminine. These are the things that bring the polarities together into the perfect balance. But in our spiritual development, we can, to have any freedom, And people think of this as like some terrible thing we've been afflicted with. No, this is a gift. This is something that a lot of spiritual beings had to work hard for eons of time to create the whole system that we live in. You know, it it can be painful and we can make the wrong choice and we can suffer because of it. But to have any freedom, it has to be like this. So we have the freedom that we can get off the center going to one polarity or off center going to the opposite polarity. If we go to the polarity of unbalanced spirit, Where we're ignoring physical realities and the importance of the physical plane, physical body, etc. That's what was referred to in the Western tradition as the Luciferic polarity. Because Lucifer simply means light bearer. So this is tremendous spiritual light, but it's a light that is so bright that it blinds. And it leads to illusion. So that's where people go off the central pillar, the Christic, Michaelic, of proper spiritual development, and they veer off into illusory, narcissistic types of ego-gratifying spirituality that is not real and will not take them to the goal. So that's the Luciferic aspect. Then the other aspect of it is what was known uh, as the polarity related to a being known as Araman in the ancient uh, zoroastrian tradition of persia it then became known as set in the egyptian tradition which then became when the hebrews left egypt became ha set on or satan in later language Ha Satan means the adversary this particular being is the one of the exact opposite it's complete materiality it says spirit doesn't even exist that you ignore everything having to do with integrity and honor and spirituality and any higher thing at all to only focus on power, money, manipulation of others, taking things from others in the physical world, completely physically based. This is all the simplification, but it's a general idea. So that's the core idea when we deal with the connection to the core balanced oneness line of development through both physical and spiritual evolution which are tied together or if we go off to just the spiritual side we decide we don't want to incarnate anymore because it's too painful or we in an illusory way think that we're so developed we don't need to incarnate anymore which is true for some people but very rarely for the people that you hear say it because that's a very advanced state but if you can't you really think you can't learn anything else in physical incarnation Do you have absolutely no emotional reaction anymore to any suffering you have on the planet? I don't find people talking about this actually being at that stage. It's really an emotional reaction thing. It's narcissism plus avoidance. So that's the luciferic side. And then you have the aramonic side where you just become completely materially obsessed. But again, that's the larger principle expressed in terms of the beings that we connect with on the spiritual path. So we have to be very, very clear. Because the terrible mistake that was made, because people don't understand the pattern, they don't understand the sacred geometry behind things, is that everything's just a pure polarity. So here's good and here's bad. It never works like that. Good, so to speak, is always in the center. It's always the middle path. It's the perfect balance. You don't want to be too hot or too cold. Neither one of those is good. Either one can kill you. You always need to have the perfect balance in the center. And so good is what's in the center. And bad or evil, or whatever people want to call it, that's getting off the center to get stuck into an extreme of one polarity or the other. That's always going to lead to some type of destruction. You always have to balance those polarities in the center. But we also have the problem that we don't want to get into any type of weird sensationalism or emotional reaction to it. These beings exist, but any educated person on the spiritual path has to understand like, yeah, we are like fish in a fishbowl. We live in water, and the water is the spiritual world. And we have spiritual beings and the spiritual world around us all the time, but we don't have the eyes to perceive them. But that shouldn't freak us out any more than if we're told we have a billion microorganisms on our skin right now. That shouldn't make us want to go and douse ourselves with some cleansing agent to kill all these microorganisms. We couldn't survive without them. So it's just part of being more mature and understanding better on the path, that these beings have to exist and they actually are here for a beneficial purpose in the long run, even though if we make the wrong choices and don't interact with them properly, they can cause us pain and have negative effects on our spiritual evolution.
0: I love the breakdown, I really appreciate it. And I know we're we're, after the hour mark here, we got another 20 minutes, I do wanna dive in. You have such a wealth of knowledge on biogeometry and uh, Paul's hooked me up with Dr. Ibrahim and Doria, and uh, as soon as Dr. Ibrahim finishes his his next book, I'll have him on this podcast. But you've been, um, you know, arguably one of their best students. You can communicate it very well. Obviously, Doria can speak English perfectly well, but you 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 have an understanding, a deep wealth of knowledge on this. And I think in the time of 5G and all you know, 200,000 satellites that are about to go up into the air, there couldn't be a more important time. To understand some of the basics mechanics of biogeometry, how it works, and, and the implementation of that, and you know, on your website, you've got a number of different tools that you use, and that's a part of this big star where you can really deep dive that. But I'd love for you to talk about you know getting in with Dr. Ibrahim and and what you've discovered you know with biogeometry because it's not something that I've brought up a ton on this podcast, and I think it is something that everybody should know about.
1: Great, thank you so much. <clears throat> I was very fortunate in the late '90s. I had someone mention to me. <laughs> about uh, Dr. Karim was coming to the U.S. to teach for the first time. And I hadn't heard anything about him. He was only really known in in uh, Egypt, and he had done some classes in Holland. But uh, <clears throat> this person said that this man, Dr. Ibrahim Karim, is an architect. He's rediscovered many of the secrets of the ancient Egyptian temple science. He can apply it practically in a new design science called biogeometry, which is really... The lost practical application side of sacred geometry, we could say, in terms of the way people think about sacred geometry in the West today. Study of all these patterns. A lot of what people talk about sacred geometry today is somewhat philosophical or abstract or intellectual. Biogeometry is a practical energy science that anyone can learn to directly apply. And we teach it to people to begin with in terms of design that can be applied to the home or office to change the vibrational energy characteristics to be the most life-supporting, the most health-supporting, the most consciousness-supporting. It's not an abstraction. It's not just based on your emotional feeling about something or your likes or dislikes in design. It's based on the actual energetic vibrations that come from shape, sound, color, motion, angle, proportion. It really is a, a science, as was cultivated in the ancient Egyptian temple science, most of all of which had been lost, that Dr. Karim rediscovered through his own research. Again, as an architect, he had to know how do I create energies within the structures that I'm creating for people to live in, to work in, that are going to be the most beneficial to them. And because of that, he developed an aspect of understanding that I can't just Lots of times when people have energy tools, they say, oh, feel this energy tool I created. Feel how strong the energy is. Well, it may feel strong, but its energy may be very one-sided. It may be extremely yang or extremely yin. And so it's not necessarily balanced. It may be beneficial for a short period of time for a certain thing, but people don't always understand it in that level of clarity. And they say, oh, this would be great for everything. Well, no, if you use that particular tool all the time, you would... Really burn out your energy system because it's too young and it's too stimulating, and your system has to have the yin cycle to recover from it. So what Dr. Kareem realizes he couldn't just apply the energies for practical work in literally creating physical objects and uh, buildings, rooms, etc. In the world, he couldn't use highly polarized energies because it may be beneficial for one person but not beneficial for another. And so the core of his system in biogeometry, an amazing rediscovery of really lost knowledge from the ancient Egyptian temple science that connects to all kinds of other lost energetic sciences from the ancient world as well, but now brought into a modern context uh, where we can use it alongside modern technology and do what Dr. Kareem calls humanize modern technology, because much of modern technology creates energetic effects that are actually detrimental to human consciousness and energy and health is we can use this particular system to create an energy concentration of literally the energy of the center. And so today, lots of times in healing work, people talk about energy balancing. Oh, I'm going to go to this person and we're going to do some energy balancing. Well, this could be applied to biogeometry, but what it really is in biogeometry is we're not applying an opposite polarity to another polarity. Like if you're too cold, you need to warm up or if somebody has got an overactive heart, you need to be in medicine today. They're going to give you a pharmaceutical of a specific dosage to be able to sedate the heart enough so it's no longer overactive, but to give a person too much of it, too high a dosage, then it's going to be overly sedated and it could be just as health threatening. So when people say energy balancing, lots of times they mean I'm applying the opposite polarity to what's already present to try to bring it back to center. Dr. Kareem discovered the, the core method of being able to activate the center itself. Now, when I discovered this, when I went to one of his first trainings in North America, when he first came here around the year 2000, is this immediately reminded me of what I knew from the spiritual science work that we had discussed before. And like in Steiner's work, where he, he's activating the center first, so it's the Rosicrucian Method. Activate the heart chakra first to become the organizing center for everything else. And I said, this, he's, Dr. Kareem understands the core principle. He's rediscovered that core uh, temple science principle, and he's managed to figure out how to apply it today in a huge range of practical ways. So I was blown away by Dr. Kareem when I met him. Also, he's, he's incredibly intelligent. He's super funny. He's incredibly down-to-earth very grounded, very nice guy. If people come up to him and go and like idolize him and say like, oh, Dr. Kareem, you're you're so amazing. He just like kaboshes that immediately. And he says, just call me Ibrahim. Let's just be friends. And he's like so down to earth. He's just the nicest guy ever. So I was so impressed with him and the work that he does that I went to every training that he did in North America from that point forward. And I was very fortunate that he was the one that uh, saw me, that I I literally transcribed every word he said. And then I would compile that into my own notes to understand exactly what his system was. And that led to him inviting me to be the first person outside of Egypt that he authorized to be an instructor in biogeometry. So I've been an instructor in biogeometry since I worked with him on a project in uh, London in 2003. And that's just been a most fantastic journey. So... the way things are developed now, I'm able to teach biogeometry in online courses. We have the online biogeometry foundation training. And the next one we're going to have is going to be in February, and it's going to be on my website, vesica.org. And then after that, there's another level that's called the advanced training. So in these trainings, you learn how to use a specific type of vibrational tools to detect and differentiate all the different energy qualities that make up things in our world. It's really opening a person's organs of perception to perceive all the subtle vibrations that make up everything in the world and how they affect us. Also, there are tools and methods to be able to create concentrations of this centering energy quality. It literally centers and balances all living energy systems. It's its own specific vibrational quality that most traditions have no concept even exists. And if they do know it, they only know it through some of the peripheral techniques to create it. So things like blessing and prayer. When a person is in deep, sincere blessing and prayer, their energy field will start emanating this exact centering energy quality. But you can create that centering energy quality through design work, through specific sounds, specific shapes, and geometric forms. As I said before, particular angles, particular proportions, particular movements can create concentrations of this energy, and it's the universal donor. You can never overdose on this energy of the oneness, of the perfect centered balance point. No one ever died from being too centered. But if you apply the energies of polarity, you can get too hot or you can get too cold or too active or too sedated, and that could kill you. So in biogeometry, we teach people how to directly access, not as an intellectual concept, but as something very tangible, this energy of the center, and then be able to apply it to transform the energy in their home and office. But the knowledge they learn could also be applied to virtually any body of work, any design you make and graphic design, any type of tool that you're creating. Uh, Dr. Kareem has often said to people, there is not a field of human endeavor that you cannot apply biogeometry to. Biogeometry applies to everything. It is the core science of the energies that create every function in the world. And so it's got all these different offsuits. And the foundation training, we teach people about, for example, biosignatures. Once Dr. Green was able to detect the different energy qualities and using specific types of radiesthesia tools to, to, to trace them out, he was able to trace out the movements of life energy In the organs and glands and systems of the human body that no one had ever identified before. What are the specific movements of energy into specific patterns in parts of the human body that create the different functions of the heart, the different functions of the liver, the different functions of the brain? This is completely new work. He's discovered hundreds and hundreds of these patterns through painstaking research. And then he simplified their three-dimensional energy movement pattern that exists in the body into a simplified two dimensional diagram that we can use for energy balancing purposes for human beings. People have also applied them to animals and for higher level mammals, they seem to work just as well there. So there's all these different systems inside biogeometry and there's a lot more information about it on uh, the vesca.org website. And also I've got some videos and Dr. Kareem has videos on biogeometry that you can watch for free on YouTube. And also for people that uh, know my Gaia TV series on Sacred Geometry, Spiritual Science is the name. There is one episode that I dedicated to Dr. Kareem that gives you a whole overview of the foundation of biogeometry. Also, we're working with Dr. Kareem right now that he just published a, a major book called Hidden Reality that he worked on for years. And he's coming to the U.S., in March of 2024, to give a talk at the Gaia conference in Boulder, Colorado. And we're in talk to them right now to bring him to Las Vegas to do his first public workshop in many, many, many years, uh, which is only going to be for people that have completed the Biogeometry Foundation and advanced courses by March of next year. And so that would be a very unique opportunity to directly meet and work with. Uh, Dr. Kareem. So there's a lot happening in biogeometry right now. It's growing very quickly as people see all the things that can be applied for. And again, we're hoping that Dr. Kareem is going to be here in person uh, next year and give a, a rare presentation of his latest research discoveries and tools.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, I was I was blown away by the original science on on how it affected agriculture. Yes. We have a regenerative farm and I was just like, holy shit, this, this literally... Is uh is is affecting all things you know that that we can see and feel and, and touch. So, um, I've, I've been impressed with that. I've had a number of friends go through the training, and uh, you know Paul's wife Angie he was able to do some signatures on me at different points in ceremony that completely shifted my energy field. Um, it is it is absolutely the real deal, and it's it's really cool that uh you know he's going to be stateside and that he continues to offer us this great work. Well, I I will link to everything that you've mentioned in the show notes so people can one click it. Highly recommend people watch your show on Gaia TV. Uh, where can people find you and continue to work uh, with you? And, and I guess I'll say this, you know, we, we know we have the websites and all that. If somebody was uh, a seeker and and adept, uh, speaking for myself here or anyone like me, an adept in the plant medicines but was looking for further instruction on, on a great place to start and really grab, gravitating around integration tools and tools of understanding the things that we've spoken about here, where would they start?
1: Well, I do recommend, again, people go to my website, vesica.org. I have a whole series of different online courses. If you want to get started on the biogeometry work, then you'll find the information about the upcoming biogeometry courses. We actually have one coming up uh, in just a few weeks, but that's been sold out for some time. The next one is going to be posted soon, and that's going to be in February for both foundation and advanced courses. Then, for people are interested in the spiritual science work that we talked about before, I recommend starting with the Essential Teachings and Practices of Spiritual Science online course. And then I also have other courses in vibrational science. I have particular courses that are on the vibrational science of applying uh, stones and minerals. That goes way deeper than what you'll normally find people talking about use of stones today. It really goes back to the classical knowledge of stones as a literal crystallization of divine vibrations and how they can be applied into the human energy system. And I talk about other methods of being able to detecting energy, such as the French method of radiesthesia. I have a whole series called Vibrational Testing and Healing that may be of interest for some people. And it provides information on a lot of the European work of the last century that then was a foundation for Dr. Kareem creating biogeometry, but it has a, a different content than the biogeometry courses. So those are some good places to start. Also, I'm going to be posting soon about some I haven't done public presentations for years now, since the beginning of COVID, and I'm about to start up again. And so I'm going to be posting information. I'm going to be speaking at a uh, member's psychotropic club in Santa Barbara on January 31st. It's called District 216. I'll be posting information on that. Uh, I do plan to go to the uh, Remind psychedelic business conference in las vegas that's toward the end of november and network with people there i will be offering live courses again probably in las vegas uh starting next year in addition to hopefully sponsoring dr kareem here and uh, we have quite a lot that we're gearing up so i haven't posted new youtube videos for some time but i'm now just about to like start creating a whole series of new information on youtube and on a subscription channel that I hope will be created within the next year. So that's the overview of what we're up to at the moment.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I can't wait to deep dive more of this and, uh, and uh, continue the conversation with you down the road when I've, when I've tackled some of the deeper concepts that you're alluding to. I really appreciate your time and the work that you do, and it's been excellent chatting with you.
1: Great, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.